0: Hello and welcome to the Experience Lounge podcast. I'm Sasha. I'm Laura. And we're here to talk all things employee experience, experience design, future of work, and digital HR. Let's get into it.
1: Hello and welcome to season two, episode four of the Experience Lounge podcast. Today's episode is going to be about the highs and lows of HR tech implementations because we've decided to do a bit of a bumper edition of episodes that will be focused on digital HR and HR technology implementations. So things to look out for and be mindful of if you're implementing HR technology at the moment or have plans to do that in the future, why implementations can sometimes fail or not be as successful and common mistakes that organisations make and how to implement solutions for the long term. But before we get into the episode, Sasha, how are you doing? How's your week been?
0: I am doing well. Thank you. Gosh, what is there to report? I'm in the weeds of UAT. And so this episode is really going to be quite the uh, the venting platform for me. No, I'm joking. I'm only, I'm only kidding. It's not going to be that. It's going to be very constructive. But yes, week is going well. My parents are coming over, which is really exciting. I know Amazing. I mentioned that in the last episode through the vaccinated travel lane. So I have spent the weekend making my house look like I have my life together. So, you know, like (laughs) pulling out the intellectual books, you know, all of that usual stuff. What about you? Yes.
1: Yeah, good. Um, Busy and have spent at the weekends quite a bit of time going up and down motorways, which Mm. has been lovely to see people. So we're still in that very much catching up with everyone we've not seen for two years mode. But I have to confess, too much motorway travel at the moment is I just get to the end of the weekend and I'm like, what have you actually done? Other than sat in a car for like eight hours, which because we went to London yesterday and it's a long trip from where we are at the moment. So really glad that for the next few weekends, we are staying put where we live. Although I have got um, a trip down to London for work this week, but it's on the train. So you can do more, can't you, when you're, when you're not in a car? But yes, all good. Getting to grips with being back here and the fact that it rains all the time, which everybody said it would and I was like oh it's fine I'm so excited about wearing jumpers and jeans and now I'm like but it does rain every day so Mm. yes but very typical I think I might have even mentioned that in the last episode so people can be like she needs to get a new chat but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it's very British to talk about the weather I think
0: I think also just for everybody listening to this episode you're probably referring to an episode that was our attempt at recording this this is the third time we have recorded this episode the third time because my audio (laughs) keeps on being off and honestly if my audio is off on this one we're posting it guys the content is too good um but i trust laura's given me the go-ahead that my microphone sounds much better right Laura? It
1: does I I didn't really notice it the second time um but it is louder now so okay. I I believe that this is third time's a charm and this mm. is going to be the one so yes okay so on that note <laughs> let's um let's get into it so what we were going to cover first was The tech news segment that we do in some of our episodes because we did feel it was obviously quite topical and important if we're doing a bit of a bumper edition of Mm -hmm. episodes and we've had some good feedback I think haven't we on um yeah people saying they enjoy this and I said I I obviously um as part of my my day job anyway will read a lot in terms of, you know, externally what's going on in the news. But I like doing this sort of research for our podcast because yeah. it means that I get to read some some interesting stuff as well. So the first one was a HR tech startup called Flow Career has raised 5.7 million in Series A funding from DataPoint Capital, and the business was launched in 2018, and helps hiring companies across the globe by conducting technical rounds of interviews through gig workers on its video interviewing platform. And I thought this one was really cool because over the last couple of years, we've obviously seen more of a rise in AI and the gig worker economy, and it was probably only a matter of time before. Um, an organisation or a sort of tech startup would take that um, and use it to help solve challenges of um, of hiring companies. So I thought that was a really cool way to make yeah. use of um, of a gig economy of um, of gig workers. And then the second one was um, probably one for maybe smaller and medium size companies, but an all-in-one HR software firm called Personio, and hopefully I've um, pronounced that properly, based in Munich, work with the mission to make HR processes more transparent and efficient, and are one of the fastest growing HR tech companies that have secured $270 million in a Series E funding round. And so their core of their business is around people workflow automation and again I think it's cool to see more firms and and sort of tech startups coming into this um, part of the market because I think we see and we work closely with um, some of the big firms in terms of workflow management but I think it's exciting when you do get some of the mm. other players and Personio are sort of looking at the UK as one of their core target market so they anticipate there's over 200,000 organizations that they would be able to to sort of tap into so I think really exciting just um Mm. seeing how that one how that one pans out
0: yeah love it really good and also you know just touching on that point that you raised about the big vendors in the workflow management space some of the kind of digital platforms that you can sign up to on a subscription model to help improve digital HR service I am blown away by how good they are like the likes of Freshworks and everything they offer oh yeah amazing super easy to implement yeah love it okay so to introduce then the topic For today's episode, in a bit more detail, we're obviously
1: going to draw quite a bit on our own experience as we've implemented various tech um, implementations over the last few years of varying size and complexity, but did want to draw on a bit of a report first from Deloitte and Josh Burson, which was a 2019 Global Human Capital Report. And that found that 32% of HR tech projects are significantly over budget, that 42% are rated as not fully successful or have failed after two years, and over 50% miss their original go live implementation timelines. So in this context, we want to focus on What's the opportunity for organizations when thinking about their HR tech implementations? And then some of the challenges to overcome or to um, to look out for. So to kick us off then, what are some of the benefits, Sasha, from an employee experience perspective of implementing digital HR,
0: HR tech solutions? Hmm. So the list is obviously very long, um, but I'll start with one of the kind of foundational elements of employee experience, which is your employees want to come to work to do the work that they love. Everything outside of that, in terms of admin, people process, all of those things, you know, the less time people have to spend doing that, the better. And technology allows us to drive greater self-service when it's most appropriate to allow people to get work done quicker and more independently. And it also allows us to automate a number of processes, not just HR services, but across that kind of enterprise service portfolio. So I definitely think one of the big ones, and you know, it's obviously at the forefront of my mind with a number of the projects I've seen over the last few years, but using technology to really optimize service delivery Um, so that people can focus on what they love doing. And that's a huge part of the employee experience, right? So that's the first one for me. What do you think?
1: Yes. So I think over the last maybe five years or so, I think there's been a bit of a shift, even in terms of what some of the HR technology platforms can do and some of the benefits of them. So I think at its core, you still have that sort of automation of manual processes and then the the kind of hours in terms of productivity that you would then save. And I think often that comes from both for employees, but also line managers, people leaders, but actually also the operations teams as well, if you can kind of um, optimize some of those processes. And so I think often, historically, that was one of the main drivers, like you said, alongside that sort of optimization of your service delivery model but I think increasingly over the last like I say maybe five years or so there's been a bit of a shift when we think about what those platforms can do and particularly Mm -hmm. with the advent now of what I'd maybe describe as more next-gen HR tech that uses data, people analytics, machine learning, AI, really advanced automation that that technology then becomes quite disruptive in a good way in terms of really being able to solve for some key business challenges or or sort of business problems from a people perspective. So even things like transforming how you might um, access talent or tap into talent pools. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's sort of been that that shift of um, the automation side of things is obviously still really important. But I think now there's the potential unlocked for a lot more in terms of, that overall employee experience, but also actually real transformation when it comes to things like job redesign, careers, workflow enablement, and, and, and actually also how technology can enable the future of work as well.
0: Mm, I totally agree. And I think we've half touched on this already, but you know, so many new platforms coming, coming to market, helping to drive that, that disruption, that positive disruption, I think is, is super exciting. And that's something that obviously fuels our passion for employee experience and, and digital HR as well, which is why this podcast is going to be exceptionally long and jam packed for the bar <laughs> insights and thoughts. So um, yes, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. And I also think that, you know, it's, it's also about really challenging that, kind of manual process mindset that, you know, a lot of organizations yeah. do still have. So want to be cognizant that not everybody is at the same place on that HR technology maturity um, journey. And so I think, you know, opportunities to automate manual processes will still be at the forefront of this discussion around the value of, of digital HR and HR technology, I think for a little while, which isn't a bad thing. No, no. And I think it's that thing of
1: over time there's there's sort of not been a one size fits all either I think in terms of some of that that tech so a lot of organizations will have a core digital HR strategy that will probably have a couple of products that might be the kind of um, key infrastructure then you would add in and, and sort of build with more bespoke solutions potentially depending on the size of your organization so I think it's also in terms of what's the benefit there's just a lot of Options to be able to solve, I think, a range of, of of kind of business challenges and also deliver a better employee experience for, for people um, that work for a particular organisation. But as we would always say, the technology is just an enabler. So I think through the course of this discussion, we'll end up, I think, referencing EX and sort of how you keep that at the centre of some of the design. And we even said that might be another... Little episode in this mm, mini series yeah. that we're doing because it is obviously so important. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a, a kind of key point to note as well when you're thinking of some of the the benefits that there's lots of options actually in terms of trying to help improve that overall experience. So I guess then on the flip side, what are some of the reasons why HR tech implementations might fail? Or I don't love the word fail, so maybe might be less successful. Shall we say?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe when they struggle a little bit from time to time, which is totally normal. So the first one that comes to mind, and this is by no means a prioritization here, but the first one for me is where I see a lot of struggle and tension in a project is when people are dragged along an implementation journey with a vendor or a partner and they don't understand what that journey looks like and what each phase of that implementation mm-hmm. journey looks like. So, you know, for example, um, configuration workbooks I've I've seen can be quite overwhelming for a lot of HR functions, especially people nominated on projects to make decisions. Yep. I also think things like going through UAT, if even if it's not your first time doing UAT, it's always slightly different depending on the vendor or the solution. So I I think that in itself can be quite overwhelming. Um, Also, we're seeing a lot more projects operating in this agile space or this agile way. And, you know, that's something that is fundamentally new to HR. So I think, you know, all of those examples is pointing to A successful HR technology implementation project is a marriage between IT and HR and of Mm. course your vendors and and everything, that that relationship. And in order for it to work well, like any relationship, not that this is a dating podcast, but communication is key and setting expectations. And I definitely think that that can be a, a real missed opportunity is if you haven't walked the HR function through the process of implementation, what's expected of them what to expect, you know, kind of a 101 on running projects that will create friction, because everybody has a different level of maturity and understanding. So Mm. I I definitely think that's my first one. Laura, what do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely agree. Because I think, and this is also, I suppose, not to to sort of say, HR or IT will at some point, um, want to blame each other. But sometimes actually, it can be quite tense as you say between those two partners sometimes as you go on that journey so I do think that sort of um that expectation setting up front particularly if it's your first time Mm. doing and I think it's any sort of size of implementation actually but if it's your first time doing that making sure that those that might be involved in design all the way through to testing implementation and sort of post go live support as well are really clear on on what's expected and mm. this might sound weird to say but almost um not too technical so it's sort of breaking that down with the the kind yeah. of human element so it's easy to understand for somebody that might not be a, like a developer um as an example exactly. so i think that's a i think that's a really good point i think probably the other thing i would i'd sort of build on i think is organizations often i've seen will tend to overly customise some of those HR solutions. And typically when you would kind of go and sit down with a vendor and they would do a vendor demo, so even if you were going to go, for example, through an RFP and you were going to select a vendor out of a number that would come and present to you, they'll often show you some quite whizzy functionality. You'll get really excited about, you know, this is what potentially is going to be on offer. And generally, from what I've seen what you sort of see in those demos isn't necessarily then translated Mm -hmm. into the solution that you get. And there's a number of reasons for that. But one of them is definitely not adopting out of the box functionality, Mm -hmm. which I know, having gone through, like I say, a lot of technology implementations can be super challenging, because there's a lot of Often in organizations that are large, there's a lot of complexity, there's a lot of legacy in terms of processes, um, and it can be quite complex. But where you see challenges, I think, is when you've got too much customization, because then it makes things like integrations really difficult. It also means that um particularly for cloud-based products that are then gonna go through a series of releases you know sometimes it can be up to four a year that you as an organization are going to need to adopt the more that you've um customized a solution Mm. the more difficult it is to adopt some of those and um and sort of really get the benefit of um of some of those if i use air quotes but you can't see me because we're not on video but, but sort of whizzy features that um that you might've seen in some of the demos. Mm. So I think that's a, that's an important one is, is making sure that you don't, or try try as much as possible to not overly customize. Um, Yeah. What do you think?
0: I agree. I also think there's another part of that, which is having people on your team that, can level expectations a little bit because i I think i I totally agree with you it 's that kind of sticking as much as you can to out of the box is really key in terms of getting what you really want from the solution or the tool that you 've invested in but I do think having someone, and maybe it's someone that's had experience of doing kind of similar implementations to be able to look at this and say, mm, okay, I can realistically tell us what we're going to get for phase one, two, and three, and here's what's realistic in the time frame that we have. I do think, you know, love vendors. And if you're a vendor listening to this um, podcast episode, please, you know, no shade on you. But I do sometimes think it's a little bit catfishy the way that we see these demos with amazing solutions but then there isn't really an honest conversation in that meeting of course not it's a sales meeting I totally get it guys I'm honestly I'm, my hands are up I'm, I'm, I'm not coming for <laughs> you but I do think there's that element of someone you know keeping the team honest and saying mm. this is of course what we want to get to but that comes in phases and waves so Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the other thing as well that I would add as one of the other challenges, and we've spoken about this at length before, is embarking on a technology implementation journey or an EX project and not being clear on the problem that we're trying to solve. And again, I think we've covered this at, length in other episodes but I I do think that's really key you know even pre-technology implementation of course what are we trying to solve is this the right solution for us and how are we making sure that throughout the design process because you're going to go through that design and configuration process that we are constantly referring back to that problem statement and saying is what we're designing going to solve that problem and some of that can come through with design principles or you know regular feedback or you know if you're in that kind of agile delivery model that's often a little bit easier but i definitely think that setting of expectations around the problem we're solving and using that to guide you is really key what do you think
1: yeah i i totally agree and i'd also I'd also add, I think I maybe saw this a little bit more in the past, but but definitely I think it still exists. And if you are sort of embarking on your tech implementation journey, one to be mindful of is typically I think you would get back in the days when all of the design sessions would definitely be face-to-face, you would get all of the, um, the sort of vendor teams, implementation mm-hmm. partners and HR people in a room, but with no employee voice or sort of reference to, employee experience and I do think things obviously have evolved in the industry since then but I think being really mindful of not being in that position where HR is designing for HR I think is is just super important and mm-hmm. obviously we would say that and um, being an, an EX podcast but I think it is something just to be um, to be really mindful of and something I sort of have seen in the past where people you know didn't didn't kind of get that employee voice in the room. So, as we've talked multiple times in the past, that can be through you know your interviewing, focus groups, surveys, whatever it is, or even actually better still, getting some colleagues in the room um, and helping them to be part of things like uh, prototyping and, and sort of testing as you go is is super important. I think probably another point to add around why do some of these implementations feel a bit challenging is also that cloud technology is expensive. And I always think it probably costs more than anybody ever budgets for. And so one of the common challenges I think is that organizations often either run out of budget or they have to compromise on certain functionality in order to meet their budget. And so typically what you see in that scenario is then from an EX perspective, the scope ends up getting reduced which then negatively will impact the employee experience because you sort of don't have the 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 right budget and i think sometimes what you see too is um was all we'll often sort of describe phasing as kind of like day 1 day 2 day 3 and so what you sometimes see is day 1 is intended to look a certain way but actually because of budget constraints we've pushed a lot to the right move it to day 2 and then you actually never get to day 2 so actually from a sort of employee experience perspective it's not great. So I guess my advice would be try and have some buffer, which I know is easier said than done when doing budgets, Mm. but try and have some buffer in there or some ways in which you would try not to compromise on EX if budget then becomes a concern. And I think we talked about, and this is probably (laughs) that we've talked about it in the previous two recordings (laughs) rather than necessarily in (laughs) in a separate episode. But there's also the piece I think link to that because I cause it's kind of around expectation setting is that stakeholder management piece. So being super clear, I guess a build on your point before, Sasha, about um having somebody in the room that would be able to almost translate that vendor pitch and be really clear mm. on on expectations. But I also think it's broader in terms of stakeholder management across the HR function and then into the business in terms of what actually will get delivered and being really honest about we can't fix that or we can't change that. And it might be because the technology doesn't allow us to do that if we customize it or it's too expensive to do that, or actually we've made a conscious decision that because it's maybe impacting a small group of people, we'll just keep it manual or, Mm. you know, keep that process as it was. So um, I think that sort of view of done is better than perfect is probably a good, a good mindset and, and also very, very much in the agile mindset as well, I think.
0: Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And I think one thing that I see a lot is, and again, I think this is a product of kind of vendor marketing as much as it is the kind of project sphere itself, is just being realistic about what a solution can deliver. And I think, you know, we are so fortunate and lucky in the space that we're in to see so many exciting platforms emerging and amazing innovation. But I also think, you know, as project leaders or project sponsors or drivers of a project internally, it's being realistic that one solution is not going to solve all of your employee experience problems. One solution is no. not going to drive a wholesale HR transformation program. And of course, the technology alone is not going to do that. But I, I do think sometimes we're guilty of, of driving that message. And then that that's a misalignment of expectations then you have to go back and kind of reset expectations later in the project before things go live and I just think that's something else just a little niggle that I would probably just throw in there is is be be very careful and conscious of of how you frame a project don't play it down obviously if it's amazing that's fantastic Mm -hmm. but also just being realistic about what it is and isn't and I think that maybe leads into and probably a build on what you were saying, which is around how do we measure the success of a project? So, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're embarking on a, you know, potentially multi-year implementation, what are we expecting at the end of it? Um, Even for kind of short, sharp implementations as well, you know, what are we going to be able to throw up? at the end of this to say, here's how we measured success and here's how we're going to continue driving success as well, right? And that's a second issue around continuous improvement not being a priority. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the measurement is key. And again, we could probably do an episode on, on measuring success of projects as well, but that the second part of that is that continuous improvement piece. You know, I think so often, and again, we've mentioned this in the last two recordings we've tried to do of this episode. <laughs> that no one else would have listened to no one else would have listened to but it's fine um which is around kind of having a project hangover and being so exhausted from an implementation where you know quite honestly you pour your life into a project especially in the like mm. the later stages of a project it's all consuming yeah, it's it and then is. you know you get to go live you celebrate with a cake and some you know cheap wine at least um if you like, yeah, like a t-shirt maybe like t t-shirt like a little
1: t-shirt
0: yeah exactly 100% um it, a funny story just very quickly when i worked on a big um erp project in the uk i did a lot in kind of government work we weren't even mm. allowed a, like tea and coffee like <laughs> as consultants like to celebrate we no, just, as in at all throughout just, the project. Just generally, so, just like you just can't generally. eat and drink
1: whilst you're on this project.
0: No, and we won't provide <laughs> anything for you. Bring your own cutlery oh, even, no. you know? So that's the the. And non- that's like pre-COVID effect.
1: before nobody wanted to share yeah. anything.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and we were in this, oh, I'll say it, we were in this awful like, co-working space but it wasn't really it was like a porter cabin (laughs) basically at the back of the office and it was terrible but um apart from that what was I saying ROI and continuous improvement you have this Mm -hmm. bit of a, a project hangover and then you know, you've got to look at ROI and what's phase two and phase three, but you're just so exhausted from the project itself that you lose all momentum. Yeah. And that's a risk. And and that is a topic that we are covering with a fabulous guest over the next couple of episodes. And yeah, I definitely think that's also another contributing factor to not failure, but I think long term success of a project. What do you think?
1: I also think actually, there's a bit of a a mindset shift, because of how The sort of tech vendors have evolved over the last couple of years. So I think, I almost think some stakeholders are maybe more used to the view that you do all of the big project work, there's loads of time and investment and new skills and sort of new people brought in to help deliver this big system. And then like they all just disappear and like Mm. it's fine and we sort of don't need to do anything. Um, But actually, the way that cloud-based products work now and the regular releases that you would have to do. And if you're thinking about, you know, kind of continuous improvement, then you're always going to need a team of mm-hmm. people that has that skill set yeah. to be able to iterate and build and um and drive forward different solutions. And I think I, I still sometimes see that that mindset shift hasn't necessarily happened with everybody. Um and like you say, it can be easy to just be like, oh, the project like the project's done. Um but actually there's still heaps when you kind of go through post-go-live. And then for me, a big one is around adoption, which again, we said we're mm. going to try and bring in a guest speaker to talk to us a bit about adoption of, of some of um, some of the tech platforms and what can organizations do there. But I think that in itself is a massive focus and thinking about data insight that you get back, how are employees using your platform? And that can also then help inform future releases and sort of iterations of design so mm-hmm. it's yeah it's, it's an interesting mindset shift I think in terms of of what it means to implement technology even compared to perhaps like I say what it did five ten years ago certainly a massive shift to you know on-prem this is way mm-hmm. before mine in your time um <laughs> never did an on-prem have to say never done that um but yeah that sort of mindset shift from almost like it's in and then we just leave it I mean that's not yeah. the case anymore right so yeah, it's got to be the, the the kind of continuous improvement of that which again goes back to the budget point for me you've got to have either some dedicated resource or some budget put aside to be able to respond to that otherwise that's gonna um that's gonna feel out of date
0: very quickly that platform mm, totally agree and the one thing that we haven't covered off here and it's quite intentional is you know the employee experience angle of all of this and how the lack of that or the absence of an ex focus throughout the project contributes to failures or or challenges and the reason for that is because we are going to do an entire episode dedicated to that and how you how you can keep ex at the heart of that so just wanted to make sure people didn't think we were you know looking over the core of our podcast but um but yeah I think I think we've
1: They're like we've tuned into an EX podcast and they've not mentioned it. Um, <laughs> One minute, <it, laughs> no, we have, but it's. Um, but you're right, we're doing a dedicated episode in terms of how you can do that in this little, little mini series as well. So I think to to finish the episode, then, Sasha, what would be your your sort of best bit of advice to organisations looking to to start their HR tech implementation journey or those that may be on their journey and are sort of looking, looking and thinking about what's next?
0: Mm. Gosh, I have many, but if I were to pick one bit of advice, um, and this is the same bit of advice that I did in the previous recording, which is if you are listening to this podcast episode and you are in the midst of your HR technology implementation journey, and you're thinking, oh, I haven't, I haven't done that ROI piece or I haven't done the EX listening or anything like that, you know, and you're you're feeling a bit overwhelmed, don't feel overwhelmed. Let me tell you, there is not one single project I have worked on or I have seen or I have spoken to someone that has run an EX-centric HR tech project that was perfect from start to finish and was textbook there are always going to be things that will um push certain priorities out and you know unfortunately some of that is the nice to have ex research pieces or the road mapping work and all of that good stuff don't overthink it don't panic just try as much as you can to bring in that human-centered design thinking element even if it's a short project and you can only do a little bit of, you know, EX research or EX ROI or whatever it is, whatever you can introduce, you can always build on in future. So Mm. don't overthink it. There is not a perfect EX centric HR tech project. And I cannot wait to see if there is one out there in future. But anyway, that's my advice. Laura, what about you?
1: Very good advice. And I think also it sort of fits in with the, the view of agile, which as we said, a lot more, Um, tech implementations are following that approach that it's you iterate as you go and done is better than perfect um so mine would be we touched on it I think at the sort of start of the podcast which was being really clear on the business problems that you're trying to solve for and linked to that for me is the the sort of employee needs and wants as part of those um those business problems because I think if you keep that at the core it means that can help influence design. It can help influence, you know, some of the, the things we talked about around measurement. And then I think also helps to always view the technology as an enabler, not that the technology is the driver. Because I think if the technology is the driver for you in your organization, then for me, that is, it's not really the right way around. It should be that it's an enabler rather than mm-hmm. than the driver, um, in mm-hmm. my view. So yes, a few bits of nuggets there. Hopefully. The recording has worked this time and you enjoyed listening to us both without major echoes and an appropriate volume that your um, headphones would allow. <laughs> so that concludes the, um, the end of this episode. Like we said, we've got a few exciting podcast a couple of really great guest speakers um over the next few episodes in this mini-series that we're super excited to um to introduce you to and um and as always please like rate subscribe and get in touch with us about the podcast we're really keen to hear um how you're finding the episodes really keen to keep the dialogue going about your own implementation journey I think we always are keen to hear aren't we you know is what we're saying resonating or have people got different views we um we had some really lovely messages actually after the um, mental health at work episode and miscarriage at work as well um some really lovely messages from people so do keep those coming they make us feel like it's really worthwhile so um as always speak soon take care and um catch you in the next episode Bye. bye